Welcome to the Innovation Roundtable Insights Podcast. This episode was recorded at an Innovation Roundtable workshop hosted by Philips in Amsterdam in April 2019, where our colleague Mark sat down with Ike Thursted Branskog, Agile Coach and Director at LEGO, to discuss how organizations can nurture an environment for structured innovation. Ike talks about utilizing Agile principles and design thinking to reinvent the internal culture and further explains how these new methods can coexist with more traditional approaches. So, um, Ike, thank you very much for participating in this uh, interview. Could you just start off with a rather a broad, I'm going to start off with a rather broad question in terms of could you describe the innovation framework at LEGO and how exactly your role plays into all that? Yeah, so, uh, so LEGO have a front-end innovation part who's looking into to the distance and seeing what are trends within, you know, three, five, ten years. So that's where it all starts. It's called the Creative Play Lab. And then some of the ideas coming from that area of the business then moves a little downstream into where it actually becomes uh, real, the real goods and the real products that will hit the market. So uh, Lego generally have a manufacturing or a development process of uh, 18 months. So, uh, so there's the front end part, and once they let go of their things, then uh, it's 18 months, and then it will hit the, the consumer shelves. So, so the the hardcore, open-ended, very yeah, no boundaries innovation takes place in the front end, and then it's much more okay. So now we now we want know what to do, which products we want to uh, to pursue, and then it's up to uh, to our product groups to figure out exactly how do we do it. And Lego is really based on the platform. So we have all the Lego bricks, so, and everything we do is with Lego bricks. So it's not like we suddenly invent something with magnets or some other type of play. It's always centered around the, the Lego bricks. So that, of course, puts some, uh, some uh, frames around our innovation that it needs to be that. So, so you could say that it's much more uh, experience design, really, that we're doing. So play scenarios for kids. What could that possibly be with Lego bricks? So, uh, so the process is, um, I think, from the uh, front-end part, it has been very much uh, design thinking inspired. So a lot of the people who work there come with a background where they have been used to this. Much more structurally, they are, have reintroduced Scrum recently, where they run in 14-days uh, uh, sprints. So uh, they're experimenting a little bit with mixing teams. That's usually not something you do in Scrum, but besides from that, they're following the, the Scrum ritual. In our Marketing department, so tra traditional product development and marketing is very tied uh, together at LEGO because we need to have some story building and we really need to make sure that, that the kids understand what we are presenting to them. So and the marketing department have been doing a lot of uh, design sprints and uh, to, um, to figure out what, um, what type of uh, communication and communication challenges do we have and how do we solve them. So, uh, so, so I think there's not, there's not one rigorous process around innovation, but it's a set of tools that are applied where there's some emphasis on particular tools depending on when the value chain it is and which department uh, uses it, which I think is a healthy thing. Because if, if we were limiting innovation too much and just going for the same process over and over again, I don't think that you would, f to the same extent, find you know uh, some of the aha moments and new opportunities. So. And there's a tendency at, at Lego to be very process heavy because it's by, by heart a manufacturing company. So we've been running, really trying to, uh, to be very lean about how we do our manufacturing. Really, really high quality and big volumes, right, of Lego bricks coming out of that to a really high standard. And that's 
all about repeatability, reliability and repeatability. But you want something else in the innovation funnel. So taking the culture of you know only the the best is good enough, we want really good quality, and then actually making room for innovation and experimentation to happen. So that's uh, that's a little bit of a a, a constant battle or. Something we pursue all the time. Yes, and in terms of now you mentioned at the front end of, in, in, of innovation, you use um, design thinking quite a lot, uh, and you also mentioned this no, this uh, notion of, of interacting with with kids and so on. My my um, my thinking is that there's the kids part who is the in many ways there's the end user. I also know there's a loyal fan base amongst adults, but um, with the kids, I would also presume at the end of the day, it's the parents who end up buying the Lego. Yes. So there must be a balance in terms of linking up and seeing what the kids are saying yes. or observing them in terms of what they're doing, but also the parents. So we are always going for the kids in terms of our experiences and then our communication, the marketing aspects are for the parents, if you like. So uh, you're absolutely right. It's never the kids themselves who buy Lego somebody always buys it for them. Either it's their parents or it's their grandparents or you know an uncle, a gift giver, something like that. So uh, so the kids never buy it themselves. And then to add to the to the chain of how we reach our consumers, right? We also always almost always sell to a to a retailer where the parents then come and then we sell it, right? So they're kind of three or four steps uh, from us and then to uh, to the kids. But all all innovation of our products happens with the children. So, and we are literally bringing in a you know, bus full of kits every week and then testing with them. So I think one of the things to keep in mind is that, uh, that the, the business model for Lego and for the toy industry is really based on novelty. So 60% of our portfolio is renewed every year. And this is not new, this has been happening for many, many years, even before you know the dawn of uh, Agile and everything. So the company is really, really used to having a high innovation cycle and just bringing new products to market all the time. But the advent of Agile design thinking and um, processes like that have really helped structure it a little more. So it's not you know, a bespoke homegrown processes, but more something where much broader section of, uh, of society and businesses have helped you know refine methods that are really efficient in, uh, in f uh, managing innovation. So in terms of when you say you bring in like a busload of children and really interact and observe them, I know that uh, for example user interviews are a large part of the design thinking process and th synthesizing that information down. Do you use other, um, because I'm also thinking observation is also a large part of that. Yes. yes. So, so it's prototyping but it's so it can be a concept sketch of something we want to do. So that's the very, very early stages. And usually you would just ask the kids, so look at this thing, and then you will get an immediate reaction. Either they don't react at all, kids are very honest, or it's like, oh, this is awesome, so cool. And then you can ask them, do you think your friend would be interested in this one? And then they will talk about it there, whether somebody they know right, could be interested in playing with them or something like that. Then uh, when we have a prototype, we often 3D printing is a, a really good thing because mm -hmm. then uh, we don't need to do you know uh, small uh, clay uh, figures that make a mold for it and actually produce it. So we can really quickly you know uh, make something that looks and feels like the real deal. And then we get two kits in 
uh, together and then they will start you know playing together they might not know each other maybe they do maybe they don't it's usually from the same school class uh, so uh, but then they will just talk to each other and then you just need to listen so you don't need to interview them in the same sense that you do with adults and I think the, the biggest benefit from kids is they're brutally honest I mean they don't try to please you so if they don't think it's interesting they will start looking at something else in the room and if they really get absorbed into the to the play or the, the um, product or concept we're showing them, then you would immediately be able to tell. So uh, they're also a little excited sometimes, right? So it could be in the heat of the moment, then they will say this. If you get them in the next day, they might say, say something different. So you need a certain amount of kids and have their reactions to it. And would it, but, normally, uh, would it normally be the same kids throughout the different... Uh, it's usually somebody different. So. Uh, and uh, you're almost about to go up on stage, uh, give your presentation, and the focus point of your presentation is how to create an environment for, for structured creativity and innovation to flourish. You've already mentioned quite a few things about the methodologies and so on. In terms of the larger overall culture at LEGO, because um, as we talked about before this interview, um, Agile has very much moved from this very um, fixated IT environment to being more of an overall organizational perspective. What is your experience or lessons learned in terms of creating this environment throughout a company? So it's really getting traction. So, so my, I'm an agile coach, so, so my um, success criteria is if I can get people, parts of the organization, leaders, teams, to actually do it. Just try it out. And it could be everything, you know, from, from some uh, uh, lightning decision game you do for a couple of hours to uh, one week um, design sprint to introducing a Kanban board. But it doesn't really matter, but it's just try it out and, and really don't overthink it. I mean, don't prepare too much and analyze too much. I mean, the cost of just trying it out is so minimal that, that and it will immediately show you whether it's something for you or not. And the iterative nature of these things only means that you will only become better at it. So if you get, if you, yeah, if you plunge into it and start doing it and then have done it for a couple of weeks, a couple of iterations, you quickly, you know, weed out the things that are not useful for your particular context and then you can add it with something else. But it's, it's difficult. It's actually a bit of a challenge for most people to do it. I think generally most people are risk averse, so they, they don't dare to take this and it, it's not rational. If you look in the, in the grand scheme of a company the size of Lego, it's nothing. The investment and the risk you're taking is really minimal, right? So, so I think it's also on a personal level that you don't want to fail. So, uh, so that's what I'm trying to do. I'm really trying to urge them and push them to do it and uh, step in and you know, co-facilitate and be there with them where they do it. And then as soon as I can, just let them go. And when you do that enough, then you kind of get critical mass. I mean, first of all, they figure out that, wow, it, it, I'm still intact. We didn't, we, we didn't hurt ourselves. And then it's like, ah, okay, this is actually also a pretty good alternative to the way we used to do it. And then the next success criteria is if it sticks. I mean, they may go away from it again and say, thank you, Ike, it was super nice of you to introduce this. We don't think it's our thing. But often parts of it stick. So, uh, so I think the least disruptive thing to do is to do Kanban because it doesn't interfere with organization and processes. It's just a way of visualizing work and be mindful about how you prioritize things and not working on too many things at once, get things done. So until you know, creating a scrum team and really reorganizing your entire organization and say that, okay, leadership now means something different and decision-making is different, empower somebody to do this. So, uh, so there's, there's a whole scale of you know, tools and ways to do this uh, depending on how ambitious you are and where you are in the uh, organization. And if we stick with um, the ambitious part, 
So if you really want to go for an overall transformation of one's organization, we often hear at these events that um, the um, uh, inflation of, of not having top management buy-in or middle management kind of, it stops at the middle management. Yes. Um, how, have you made any experience or have you made any lessons learned in terms of how to go about that if, if um, not necessarily at Lego, but maybe you've just spoken to somebody at an event like this where you have some good experiences? Yeah, so we've done it a couple of times on our own. So um, I think, so if we look at it chronologically, then Scrum was introduced around 2008 at Lego. We've been dabbling a little bit with it before and some other teams have been doing extreme programming and other agile um, methods. But we did a massive uh, multiplayer online game, much like uh, World of Warcraft. So that's, it's a pretty big thing to do and Lego is not a software company. So, uh, so when we had, I think, around five teams that needed to uh, co-develop this with an external vendor. And then just from almost one day to the other, it's like, okay, guys, we're running Scrum because that's what our vendor is doing. And that's, if we need to collaborate with them, we need to become good at it. And then all these five teams were trained in it, about 50 people trained in it, and then just started doing it and learning by doing. So that part of it went pretty well. Then some, uh, some years uh, passed and the Lego have been fortunate enough to grow a lot within recent years. So um, now the five teams were well, not five teams, it was 20 teams. So five teams that can kind of sell off, organize and they can make deals with between them and figure out how do we build this thing together. 20 teams is a different beast because then it becomes complex all of a sudden to make these negotiations and deals and find out what the interdependencies are and then match that up to the business needs and the portfolio uh, prioritizations. So we needed something in between and we ended up doing uh, uh, doing SAFE, so a scaled agile framework, and it was the same thing. So now it's just more people. So it's like 150 people trained everybody and then the following Monday just started doing SAFE. I mean, they were already pretty proficient at Scrum, so that was the starting point, and then building this next thing uh, on top of it. And then uh, a couple of years ago, and that will be the kind of the core of the story that I'm going to tell in, uh, in a moment, but then in our marketing agency, who have never done you know, software development, they didn't come with a Scrum background, Agile is not part of what you're taught when you go into marketing. Yeah. Then we got a new boss, uh, and he couldn't really figure out how to, how to change the way that Lego have be, uh, kind of be, become accustomed to do communication. Back in the days, you would do a product, you would put it on television, old school, flow TV, they would put a TV commercial on there and you would just reach every kid that way, right? And then they would go and they would pester their parents, mom, mom, dad, dad, I want this thing. But now the kids are all over the place. They're on iPads, they're on YouTube, even though they're not allowed to. And I mean, so there are so many other touch points for them. So how on earth do we actually reach them now that television is not the thing anymore? But we were still thinking so much into television and that way of doing it. So how did we break that? So he was very courageous, he is very courageous. So he said, all right, so for the next two months, we will just stop doing anything. So that was called the pause. For me, it's like, you know, the emergency brake in a train. I have this train that's just running, right? And it's like, now we'll stop it. And I think realistically, maybe we paused 70% of our activities and then we had 30% that was just, we just have to do this, otherwise we'll really be in, be in dire straits. Yeah. So, uh, but then, the, then uh, I was called into uh, to his office. It's like, all right, so uh, we have decided to stop what we're doing and we need to figure out something else. And you and some other guys in your team, you need to figure out what to do, uh, how, how to get there. I mean, what's the process we're going to follow? Some of that agile is a <laughs> So, uh, and we will do it in eight days. 
away. And then uh, I was looking at my my good colleague, and it's like, all right, we can do it. Yeah, we can do it. So uh, had it been uh, ten years ago, I would have been running away and said, are you nuts? I mean, how would how on earth would we prepare 150 people to run any sort of agile way? They have never done it before. But uh, but because we had success with both Scrum and, uh, and Safe, we were a little bit like uh, cocky. It's like, yeah, we can do it. Do it. So, uh, so, um, but we need to figure out what what process should we use for this. I mean, they, they had no experience. We couldn't train them. So, uh, so we uh, looked at um, the design sprint because it's basically a recipe, right? Where design thinking it's like it's the whole gastronomy, right? It's it's the art of making good food, right? If you want that analogy. The other thing is just a recipe for you know for a dish. So it's like, do this, do this, do this, do this. So, uh, so we instructed them on that, so it was really precise. So do this, this, this. And then we took all the people used to facilitation, so project managers and account managers, and then we bought the book for them, read this one in the weekend, <laughs> and then they gave them a two-hour crash course, right? And then it's like, okay, we are ready to go now. <laughs> and, um, and then, yeah, they started it. And, and the role for me and my colleague was just to stay calm. It's like, just trust the process, everything is going to be all right. It was just like, oh, we really hope that this will fly. But it, it went super well. I mean, and so, so we basically ran uh, worldwide 100 design sprints in two months, which design sprints is really not intended for. So, uh, but it really worked and everybody could just tap out at any moment. So if you don't want to do another design sprint, you're out. You just let us know out. But everybody said, one more, one more, one more. And, and if, when you do it so intensively, then after th those two months, right, it just sticks. I mean, people, they were really, really, what, what they really liked about it was the focus, right? So you're super focused, right, on something particular. And you have a real concrete output at the end of the, at the, end of the week. Have you done the problem solving, you have found solutions, you've ideated all of that, you've done a real prototype, you've verified it with the kits. And at the end of it, we also had to go to, you know, some decision makers and say, this is all we learned in this week, and this is what it, where it ended, so what happens now? Do we kill the project? Do we continue? Do we, do we have a solution for one of the problems we have identified? So, and this is two years ago. So, so now that the sprint uh, methodology is still part of the toolbox, so every time we need to start something or we hit a, a problem, then that's the thing that's kind of being brought in again. And then there's an appetite to do that as a work that way as a much more uh, formalized way. So we had a little uh, hiccup because we did a, a, a company-wide reorganization a year and a half ago that took a little momentum out of it. But uh, but otherwise, the, the, uh, having experienced yourself exactly what it means to work in a way like this that is quite different from what they were used to, right? That just kind of brought everybody on board with this, and it's it's. Um, not that specific event, but just, you know, all these different activities have actually also, I believe, changed the way we do portfolio planning. Before, we had something called the Lego um, Development Process, which is an 18-month stage gate model, where on each uh, uh, gate, all projects would have the same maturity, right? So they would kind of follow each other, and then after uh, a year and a half, they would launch at the same time. So, so we use the same cadence and the same framework and everything, right? But we just change it so they don't have to have the same maturity level. So now it's basically a feedback loop. So whatever state your project is in, you just bring it in and then you get feedback and then you know what's the next step to take to go to the, to the next uh, section. So that made it much more flexible and agile when we are launching projects and how far they should go until, uh, until they're done. So, uh, so I think 
that's that's a really big change and it's really good it's good spotted by the people who maintain and manage our portfolio process as well and, and it has its roots in agile the same goes for uh, for speeding it up instead of maybe not everything needs to take 18 months some of it doesn't matter it can take 18 months it's fine but other things can maybe go faster and also our front-end development they used to hand over things so it's like okay now we have been doing all our thinking this is the good idea here you are now you figure out how to bring it to market but some of the ideas they would actually bring to market themselves right which is the lean startup thinking yeah. and right that whole thing so so for some of it not all of it but some of it and it gives you a really good experience of what it actually means to to bring a product to uh, to market and get the feedback from uh, from that so it's a mix of things right so it's, i can't say that there's one legal way of doing this but but we are really mindful of which uh, methodologies and ways of working we use for uh, uh, different purposes. Yeah, and um, I, you're almost about to uh, go on stage, so I want to oh. round off this interview. Uh, but um, I tend to always uh, start off with a broad question and then uh, and then also end it with a broad question. But if you could, in in 30 seconds or something like that, just um, say one key lesson learned or key takeaway from the current role you're in, um, which you maybe would have wanted to know when you stepped into that role. So people are very. Um, but, uh, they have a lot of ideas, so so I mean, f when you go into these uh, design sprint sessions, I'm really amazed at the amount of ideas people they can bring down to paper on the spot. Mm. So I think that's that just never stops to amaze me. So, so and particularly if you get you know a diverse group of people and they can kind of you know uh, play ball with each other, then I think the amount of ideas is spectacular. I, I think that's really super cool. And then the other part, the, the advice, if you like, that is, I mean, just do it. I mean, just try it out. It's really not, it's not dangerous. And, and the risk of failing is so little. So I, th I think, I, would, I wish we did it in even more parts of our organization. I would just encourage other organizations not to be hesitant about it. Give it a try and then learn that way because you, you can't read the book and you can't think yourself your way into it. So just do it. And on that note, uh, I want to thank you very much for participating in this interview. Thanks. Thank you. The video version of this podcast can be accessed via innovationroundtable.online. The Innovation Roundtable online network is your portal to a wide variety of exclusive content, including video presentations, interviews, insights reports, and articles. Not only that, innovationroundtable.online is also a place where you can connect with other corporate innovators, share experiences, request collaborations, and gain inspiration from your peers. Our network is exclusively for innovation practitioners in large firms. So visit innovationroundtable.online to discover more and request your seven day free trial account.